Whoa. I don't remember this, but apparently there was a plot point in Shadow the Hedgehog that involved him trying to assassinate the president. (laughs) Which president? I don't know, but this was around the time Bush was in office. (laughs) Uh, And you played as him? Yeah. I'm guessing that's if you go with the like evil route. In oh. the Shadow of the Hedgehog, you could go good, evil, or neutral. Mm. It's really funny. <laughs> Did you ever get to play that game Full Metal Chaos or whatever it was called? Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos. Oh, Metal Wolf Chaos. Uh, I haven't yeah. played it yet. <laughs> And I am doing this because I am the president of the United States. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. And welcome to another episode of the Otaku Connection. And stuff's still weird, so I guess I gotta try and get weird with it. Yeah, um, my means of accessing the clips required to get that YouTube content up and going is, uh, hit a snag. It's gonna be a bit longer, unfortunately, unless I get inspired to do something with some stuff I have immediately on hand, because most of my anime collection is in the storage unit in California. Yeah. You know how that goes. Anyway, um... Not really much else to say, so I guess we'll get right into the episode, which I believe is Yagyu Ninja Scrolls, which is not only the uh, third entry in the Futari Yamada month, but also our first attempt at uh, looking at a manga. I think it went okay, but uh, I'll let you guys decide, so please enjoy. In a previous episode, I told a story of how crazy political intrigue and war during uh, the unification of Japan led to weird instances like <laughs> killing a guy's entire family and then scooping up the granddaughter you served to him as part of a political marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a minor plot point in what we uh, read for this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, what we read being uh, Yagyu Ninja Scrolls or Yagyu Nipocho or whatever. We're still in the uh, month of Futaro Yamada. And uh, this is part of, uh, I'm not sure if it's a formal trilogy or if Futaro Yamada just decided to do uh, three different books centering around Jubei. But everywhere I've looked is... um, listed this as the first in the Jubei Yagyu trilogy. Hmm. This is also, this uh, manga adaption in particular is made by the same person who did the uh, Basilisk uh, manga, which we watched for the first week of this month. But, um, yeah, Mike, what did you think about it overall? So is this Jubei the same Jubei that we saw Sunny Chiba play? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Makai Tensho is actually part of that trilogy of Jubei-centric stories. Hmm. It's the second. So is he the only thing that carries over? Um, well, it. I don't, again, I don't know if they're supposed to be connected. But um, I'd say, yeah, between the two. Um, Jubei's dad, I think, is going to play a role later in this manga we've only read the first two volumes mm-hmm. and um i want to say this is after sort of tensions have begun to rise with um the persecution of christianity in japan i believe that the emperor we're dealing with right now is the one who's gonna suppress the uh shimabara outbreak and yeah so this is a little ways before Makai Tensho. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, this got better. When I first started, I was like, I'm kind of tired of sort of the 
feudal willings and dealings and all the names and all the moving arounds. And then after like the first, I don't know, four or five chapters, it kind of starts to develop a narrative and, mm-hmm. and kind of focus on some characters and the, you get a sense of where the story's going. And it, I like, it cause it kind of, it funnels into a, a smaller story mm-hmm. than I kind of thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like I thought it would be more political wheeling and dealing, but it's, it's more like a revenge it, tale. Yeah. The political wheeling and dealing just, it just kind of sets up mm-hmm. this sort of uh yeah, revenge tale. And it's, it's tied to certain motivations uh, really, I think as political as it gets is the primary antagonist um, name, name, name uh, Akinori Kaito, who's uh, not quite a low-level uh, feudal lord, but he's not up there yet. And the guy with the chin. Uh. There's two guys. There's a good guy with a chin and a bad guy with a chin. So we're talking about the bad one. <laughs> Who's the good guy with the chin? Jubei. You see the size of that thing? It's not that crazy. The bad guy's chin is way bigger. It's more defined, too. Yeah, that's because he's evil. Yeah. Jubei's chin is huge, but it's uh, stubbly and non-threatening. Mm-hmm. It's always got a smile on it. Yeah. Or he's rubbing it. Yeah, he's very happy. Yeah, manga. I like him in this manga. He's uh, yeah, he is very happy with himself. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was gonna say that this reminds me a lot of, but you haven't. It's it's funny how many times this comes up. Suicide when, Squad. <laughs> no, when we talk about Japanese shit, Mad Max. Huh. Uh, like we've talked about kind of the samurai diegetic storyline which they did with cowboys and then the kind of mad max does it too but specifically the plot of this reminds me a lot of fury road Hmm. it's about he's like helping these this group of women escape from uh this basically a tyrannical warlord across the wasteland and then you know there's an element of revenge to it, but that's, yeah, this reminded me a lot of that. Huh. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, something for a little later in the episode. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't seen anything Mad Max related, so I can't comment on it one way or the other. Um, let's see, where do we start with this? Well, it starts off with them, with all those guys. The what is it? The the D clan or something. Let me uh get the information up real quick. Yeah, it was a specific clan under uh the Ahori clan, hmm. who are retainers to uh the province of Aitsu, which uh Kaito Kato whatever villain guy, the Chin, is hmm. a ruler and a ruthless one at that. Not only is he, like, the type to overtax and overwork people, but he's also, like, you know, raiding the the whorehouses and red light mm-hmm. districts and trying to force people into, like, giving him their daughters. That's how this yeah. really starts. Is... He's a sex fiend cannibal. Yeah. My he's brother just pretty fucking perked twisted. up. Well, who wouldn't at the sound of that? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. He eats fingers and stuff. This guy is twisted, man. <sighs> yeah. Well, and then after he's done with him, he lets his boys have him. And they take but, him into the dungeon. Yeah, they take him to the dungeon. The literal they, dungeon. Uh, they cut him up. Yeah, actually, one of the scenes in this is like into literally pieces. these guys talking as something is dripping overhead. And you're like, oh, there's a leak. <laughs> no, it's a woman strung up. Yep. My like, brother, I'm recording this from my brother's room. He's mm-hmm. having an interesting reaction to this. Yeah. 
and yeah, that's 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 one thing is like the the degree of sadism present in the antagonists of this story is profound and absurd. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know if it's profound, but uh, there's a thing, an argument that I hear everyone else. People say this about that movie, and I, I don't really care either way. Like, it depends on other factors, on how well you develop characters. But do you remember the movie? I didn't see it, but it was not wanted. But the other Matthew Vaughn, the more recent one, Kings Kingsman. Kingsman. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I wanted well, to see it. I heard someone like I guess Sam Jackson's in it, and I <laughs> read something very vaguely that, like, oh, they set up the character as a bad dude, and he uses the N word, and that's cheap. That's a cheap way of saying that, of making them into a bad dude. I'd need to see it or hear it in context before yeah. I can, before I can weigh in. Yeah, I haven't seen it, seen it either, so I'm I, I'm not going to judge that, but. I also think it's a uh, whatever, but in this case, I think it's uh, I, I I can't judge it one way or the other, but it does seem a bit over the top. Mm-hmm. That he's like they got creative with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? For as kind of pro woman as I could see this being or getting, like. There's also kind of that element where it's like, oh, we got to have the main villain. Like, not only do these women hate him for reasons that, like, it's like, it's not enough for them to just hate him because he killed their men. But he also has to be like, and he has to be like a trafficker and like a weird cannibal guy. Yeah. But some of that's just like weird Japanese shit that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, he does. It, like, you would probably have enough there if he just, like... Because, well, his, uh, his uh, team of super-powered assassins, because we seem to run into that with all of these stories, uh, kill half of their families right in front of them, and mm-hmm. then, like, dr- like, basically kill all of their mothers... And then take their fathers, brothers, whatever, drag them across the countryside, and then apparently uh, chop them into pieces. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, they chop them into pieces, too. Did he he eat them? No, but apparently he did have them, like, like, displayed out in the courtyard so he could sit there and stare at their pieces while he drank sake. Mm. Yeah, so there's that. But then it's like kind of hammering in the other stuff, but I guess it does tie into the plot because sort of the end of chapter two is, or volume two rather is the whole plot where they're disrupting like traffic to go towards his mansion. So it's kind of like a low level offense that they. Yeah, when I uh, talked about him. when I talk about um, minor politics factoring in but not necessarily weighing things down it mainly comes into things being done to further that revenge in this case yeah screwing with his um trafficking operation and using it as a means to deliver the first of uh seven dead bodies to this mm-hmm. dude yeah which i did think was kind of cool uh especially when they're all dressed up like demons because this that shit feels very comic booky to me, so I like that. Like to me, it felt like it felt like Daredevil almost, mm-hmm. like the newest show, and probably some of the comics. But I'm not as familiar with the comics. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, the show is just so dark, and I feel like it's filled with that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, which you get in like all these vigilante style uh revenge stories like what was the other one i was thinking of but you know you just see like like batman you know they start small like they take down a fucking drug warehouse or something and then they leave a sign yeah exactly what they did here Mm -hmm. yeah delivered the body to him had the uh writing on the wall with the seven uh can't remember what they were Snake eyes or something. Yeah, snake eyes. And then uh, when they deliver the dead body, they remove one. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, really, I think the concept is actually more novel in execution than I initially thought. It is a slow starter, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like the first volume is literally set up. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was kind of neat seeing that first uh, takedown play out. And the fact that, yeah, Jubei held true to his word. He didn't. He helped to set it up. He helped to facilitate it. But he didn't actually take the guy down. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about reading it earlier. I was like, he's going to have to like set them up so that they can do the kill, is I think what's going to happen here. Which they did. And I, I thought that was pretty cool that they got blood on their hands fairly early. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes from here. Like, cause these guys are like crazy. Like the yeah. villains. Yeah. And, they're when I, when I call them like a crazy group of superpowered assassins, I wasn't joking. Mm-hmm. Like some of them, some of them, it's just like extreme skill, but in others it's like, okay, that guy's definitely got super strength. This guy's got, uh, a weapon that can't be quantified. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. One guy's got like a pack of freak dogs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite, it doesn't quite show on the page, but apparently each of those dogs is supposed to be like the size of a cow. Yeah. They said it <laughs> so far. That's you have gotten one panel of that dude. I didn't know he existed. Otherwise these big cow dogs. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this in comparison to uh, Basilisk? Um, see, everything from the last month is running together for you. Well, not last week since it was a movie and it was very unique. Uh, Basilisk. Yeah, I remember Basilisk. Basilisk is very similar to this, but I think I like this better. Me too. Um, Bas- they're by the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like this story better. Mm-hmm. Basilisk, I remember... It was kind of like this, and it was just taking too long to get started, I think. Yeah, but in the case of this, once it gets started, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Whereas Basilisk, I like... Again, I watched up to episode, actually not even nine. I got up to maybe 12 or 13, and it was like, this is still being stretched out. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Now I remember remember it now. Like, Basilisk could have been done in 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, I know. I like this better. Is there an anime adaptation of this? Sadly, no. They did, and I think they... Basilisk had some success because they brought all of the manga to the States, and a good chunk of this manga, but uh, two things. One, this manga is significantly longer than Basilisk's. It's mm-hmm. like um, double the amount of volumes, I think. And they didn't all make it out here, which I think is why uh, scanlations are still on the internet. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess they. I guess it didn't quite take off in Japan. I don't know exactly why they didn't animate this because, you know, as many uh, depictions of Jubei Yagyu there already is. Seems like this would be a good fit, and this is a really interesting story so far. I think especially since there's so many stories about him already, one where he's taking a bit more of a back seat might be appreciated. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. And that's kind of, I was, I heard very minor complaints about, talking about Mad Max again, about Max taking kind of a back seat in Fury Road because everybody loved the characters that they did brought in. But it was... You kind of have to do that when you have a character that's been around so long. I think, uh, based on the complaints I was hearing too, it's more. It was more the idea. Like it felt like there was a lot more complaining before the movie came out. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. 
I don't know. Actually, I didn't hear very many complaints, but that was like one of my dumb friends said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, it's like you're kind of completely missing the point of Mad Max movies if you if that's a complaint. Um, yeah, he's he's not quite the action hero a lot of people might think based on like covers and descriptions and shit. Yeah. I mean, he is, but like, yeah, he's not like in your, he's not the Schwarzenegger type. He's the samurai type. He's not, he's not, uh, John McClane. Yeah. He's more the man with no name than John McClane. I see. Or, or Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. He is kind of Yojimbo. But, uh, you know, that wandering yeah. from adventure to ben- adventure type of thing. Yeah, when was when was this released? Um, I want to say, let me double check. I want to say two thousand seven. Oh no, I was. Uh, it's uh, two thousand five to two thousand seven. Hmm. Interesting. Eleven volumes. <laughs> it's uh So how long is this? It's eleven volumes. Yeah. That seems kind of short. Well, yeah, um, I appreciate that though. Yeah, they're they're too. moving at a pretty good pace, all things considered. Yeah. All right, that's what it's not done yet. Uh, no, it's all done now. Oh, okay. I'm just like the pacing of the story itself. Yeah, I'm guessing some of the reason why the popularity of these things isn't as big out here is due to uh, how tied it is to Japanese history. Yeah, there's a lot we're missing and a lot not getting fully explained just by virtue of <laughs> Japanese kids learn this stuff in school. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. We, yeah, I guess we take our historical fiction for granted, but I don't know. Maybe it's me just being an imperialist dog, but I feel like maybe I feel like kids all over the world learn our history. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier to cover by comparison. I'm probably just taking that for granted because I learned it. I just assume everybody learned it, but I guess not. And I guess all the people that I come to, like if you're going to be a citizen, you kind of have to you have to like yeah. study our history. I think a little bit. Yeah. Well, we we got a little piece of everything, but like nothing mm-hmm. super in depth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all in depth, like. Like, uh, the history that we do have is very dense. Mm-hmm. Like, I was uh, on TV the other day, World War Two in color, and I was like, they're just, like, still unpacking every goddamn battle and everything. There's just so much shit that happened there. Yeah. All the fucking fighting and, you know, Burma. It's like, I didn't even know we were in Burma. Yeah. Well, no, but, that's that's uh, what they like uh, in Japan. They like to cover... Namely, uh, all the entry going on during the uh, Edo period, uh, our go-to is World War Two. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the Edo period is their WW2. They also like to cover um, the People period writing. right before the uh, Warring States. I wonder if there's games journalists that are like, I'm sick of fucking samurai games. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's like I, I'm. I would like to see that though. I would like to see like like a Famitsu article translated where they're like, "I'm so sick of the Edo period. I swear <laughs> to God, if I gotta look at Tokugawa one more time, what about the Gunpei War? Huh? What about the Heian era? What yeah. about what about what about? Okay, forget Sengoku too because that's shit. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about post Edo. Let's talk about Meiji or. Whatever the Why fuck. has nobody created a better villain than Nobunaga? Yeah, he is one. He's uh He's everywhere. They like they like to use him as the go to for um if you look a little harder, you'll also see stuff uh with him portrayed uh, heroically. Hmm. But by and large they like to go with the uh Nobunaga was a demon or possessed by a demon or made a deal with a demon and yeah. yeah, he was. Uh, some of this is just due to him being pretty ruthless. Yeah, for all the stuff we've seen, I feel like 
nobody's we haven't looked at anything that's outright depicted him. Yeah. And I feel that's very much how we do Hitler over here. Yeah. Like they'll make a mention of Hitler, like, oh Hitler's working on this or Hitler's really into this right now. Yep. Or Hitler's troops. But you never really see Hitler yeah. in games except for like Wolfenstein three D. Mm-hmm. And he's just like this over the top huge ass villain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that's like uh, you talk about big presences, larger than life elements, and things too strange to be real. That's ours. Hitler and his yeah. supervillain army. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking. They're his methamphetamine addicted army. Mm hmm. I didn't know that the, the German soldiers were all on meth. <laughs> in World War II. Jesus, I didn't that's why know that they were either. So fucking... That's nuts. That's how they did the Blitz. That's how they kept them all awake. Oh, the yeah. Blitz. That makes sense. And how they just rolled right over France. Yeah. He had hacks, man. I knew I knew they were all coked up in World War One, Because I know the story of that's why they made the, the Colt M1911. Because the service revolvers weren't stopping them. Mm-hmm. You did something more powerful more stopping power yeah damn oof yeah um yeah sadly we don't really get stuff like that i mean you got wolfenstein and i think a while back and this was released by japan it was like a world war Two. uh RPG that featured occult elements. Hmm. Like you could turn into a werewolf and shit. Yeah. You know, was... I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of <laughs> World War II shit. You just gotta dig. Deep. Well, I'm, I'm talking uh, fanciful historical fiction. Like the kind of well, stuff yeah, that here is like really reveling in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure if you went on Steam Greenlight, or just Steam in general, and looked up World War II shit, because mm -hmm. it, it was so saturated. and People are still making games in there, but it's more like mainstream gaming got kind of tired of it. Yeah, well, you got to dig, though, because the majority of that stuff, like everything on the, like, the first two like layers is just going to be retellings. or mm -hmm. Yeah, this is our historically accurate ww2 game and yeah in this one you control a platoon and this one you can call for airstrikes and this one there's gritty story it, you know it, yeah we didn't really have anything like i feel like some european the europeans have you know there's the norse gods mm. and like there's the uh the greek gods they kind of have they can, yeah, and they have all that ancient history. They can tie sort of certain periods to a certain like fanciful elements. It's easy for them. Mm -hmm. But by the time our nation was established, it was kind of just like we're bringing Christianity, and that's very much a. And we were very sensitive about it. <laughs> well, it's more like. It's like there's not much there. Like they don't. There's like exorcisms and things, but that that didn't really. On top of you know, most Christians just do what they want and mm. go to church, especially during that the time that the new land was was founded. It's not like they believed that like demons were possessing members of government or anything like that. Or not that they did in the Edo period, but it's like. We don't look back and it's, it's not, it's, it's like, it's more putting a square peg into a round hole to try and put that lore over like historical backgrounds mm -hmm. other than like the fact that they were create crusading and like mm -hmm. bringing what they believed into certain peoples. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's too recent. Like, yeah. It's easier to look back on. It's only mm -hmm. a few generations ago, really. Yeah. Like we, there's no, like, oh. We haven't had time to ruminate. 
Yeah. There aren't like there aren't like weird gaps that you can't really account for, so you fill it in with weird shit. And... Yeah, it's like we know what happened in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the natives view things differently. They have, you know, I'm sure they have myths and folklore about how all the land and the earth was created, but we, we just murdered all of them and brought our own shit. Like, mm-hmm. if you look back to the beginning of the U.S., it's these people showed up. Whereas, if Japan wants to look back to the beginning of Japan, they're like, "Well, the great." Fucking what's the Yeah, we got we got the we got the the Jomon period and it's like these are ancient, ancient ass ancestors and they're like they look strangely European and they're like caveman ish and then Yeah but goes to the uh Ainu. Is that what you were thinking of? Well they have myths about like how the island was actually created Mm -hmm. and like how the water was created and how the you know, everything was formed, the land, like, all the, like, gods were, like, fighting and whatever. Same as, like, the European shit. Yeah. Like, we don't really have that to draw from. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's just the way it goes. If I want something like that, I'll have to make it myself. Hmm. But, um... I guess outside of uh, Jubei and Evil Chin, did any characters in this stand out to you? Uh, you know, the one that really stood out is that is a uh, short hair. Her name's like it's not Ochie, but it's like Ofe or something. You know the one I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, she hit Jubei in the face the day they met him. Yeah, yeah, she's always because she's always got that scowl, and her hair color is slightly different. And it's short. You know it's supposed to be red. Like, mm. not maybe red in context of the story, but if this were animated, it'd be red. <laughs> I assumed it was, like, a light brown. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she stood out. Um, yeah, she's got a temper. <laughs> yeah, and then Sakura kind of stands out because they kind of give her a moment where she goes and pretends to be a sewer. But oh, like, yeah. But, it, you know, it's kind of funny. Was this written by a man or a woman? This was a guy. Yeah, I would think so. But uh, it's funny that we're this far into a story about, like, women taking revenge. And I guess they're going to build up to it, but it's, I feel like most of them don't really have personalities yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's only the second chapter, but... Mm-hmm. Still, I feel like they really want us to know who the villains are. Oh yeah, well, it's uh, it centers around taking them down, mm-hmm. and yeah. the sort of build up to that. I guess it's like a type of thing where they keep going back to them doing bad stuff to kind of keep the rage, keep mm-hmm. the fires hot. Yeah, it's like I think what was throwing me off at first was, you know, it's like oh, there's fucking this person and this person and they were married to this person or this person and their like specialty is this it's like this is all going straight through my brain yeah um what is it the there was a guy that kept mentioning early on named uh hideyoshi or hidenori hold on let me get the exact name here he's uh tied to the whole um tokugawa nobunaga thing He's kind of the miss. He's literally the link between them. Hmm. Uh, Toyotomi Hideyori, who's the son of a guy named uh, to- Toyotomi Hideyoshi, and he was a servant of uh, Oda Nobunaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nobunaga didn't completely succeed in uniting Japan. He started the movement, formed the army, and began the march. But he was assassinated before he could really achieve this. The one who actually did unite Japan, like, officially, was uh, Kideyoshi. Hmm. And he, when he died, he abdicated the throne to his son, Hideyori. Hideyori is the one who was involved in that political marriage I was talking about. I can't remember if uh, the woman was married to him or one of his sons or something, but uh, yeah, 
or if the girl was just promised to marry him. Hold on. Yeah, she was uh, promised. It was uh, Tokugawa's granddaughter. She was uh, promised to marry him when she came of age. And uh, this eventually led to a sneak attack where they ran in there, killed the whole family, scooped up the granddaughter, and were like, okay, we out. We'll be back once they clean up the castle. (laughs) That that exact uh, plot element. That girl who shows up and stops the, the... seven spears from killing everyone is that granddaughter oh i see mm-hmm. so how much does this tie into basilisk um it's i think it was uh it was chosen to be adapted to manga because it could it follows the events of basilisk but not Sort of directly and sort of not. It's kind of like when you make a sequel to something and the tie is that they're in the same world. Yeah, that's what I kind of got the sense of. Yeah, uh, basically, you remember the plot point to Basilisk is that they were using the ninja, the rival ninjas as proxies for a battle between two potential successors. Yeah, I think I saw a note there that the... uh... The old man was like the head of the, one of the clans or something. Uh, that was, I think, one of those old guys he was talking to was Jubei's. Either, it, I think it might have been Jubei's dad, and he may have been younger during the. He may have been one of the young guys sitting next to uh, Tokugawa in Basilisk. Like, basically, what we're looking at is the reign of the emperor who's, well, you know, each, let me try this again, each ninja clan represented a different potential emperor. What we're watching is the reign of the successful heir. Who is that? I don't want to say, because that's a basilisk spoiler. (laughs) It's also Japanese history. Yeah, so don't look up Japanese history if you don't want Basilisk spoiled. But I want to know. Uh, I feel like it's obvious. It has to be what's-his-face. The good guy. There was a good guy? Yeah, and Basilisk. Um, well, remember, they were they were proxies. They weren't fighting to lead. They were fighting to decide an emperor. Yeah, I know, but the, the the old guy in this manga that they're like, oh, he's like, was... yeah, he he's not one of those ninjas. I think I'm pretty sure he was Jubei's dad. Hmm. Yeah, he's not either Koga or Iga. Oh, I see. So nobody in yeah, none of the two warring ninja clans, I think, are present here. But we again, we've only read two volumes. We yeah. may hear from one or both clans later on. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, historically speaking, uh, Jibe's got strong ties to the Iga. Hmm. So it's possible that they might show up. Interesting. Wait, so his dad then... Mm-hmm. That they showed is the guy who threw the thing in his eye. Yeah, in um, in uh, Makai Tencho. Yeah. Yeah, and, who and how that him. how that happens varies. Sometimes he's a lot more of a dick about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like sort of debate amongst historians as to whether or not Jibei actually did lose an eye. Mm. That's right, I forget he was a real person. Yeah. What is he known for having done in real life? Um, what was it? So his father was really powerful swordsman and was the go-to trainer for the emperor. Uh, Jubei partially just had the family pedigree. He also kind of went on a pilgrimage of sorts to get better and fuck shit up like Musashi. I think he eventually came back and became the instructor for whatever emperor was present at the time. What did he do on his pilgrimage? I don't know. I haven't looked into it in depth. Seems to be where most of the fiction comes from. Yeah. Well, it leaves you a good amount of, uh, gives you a good amount of space to kind of wander. Wander. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, he may be the most, like, depicted, 
uh, historical figure next to, or maybe even surpassing Nobunaga. Yeah, that's funny because I always thought before this, like, it seems like we're talking about him a lot this month, but I always thought that Musashi Miyamoto was like the legendary guy. Um, he is too. He's uh, often argued to be the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. But he's not the most frequently depicted. Mm. Um, they, I think there's enough time between them that they could be, you know, out and moving around the same time, but they kind of weren't in ideal positions to really go toe to toe. So you, it's a little hard to definitively pick. Okay, this guy's clearly better, uh, better sword fighter than this guy here. <laughs> I mean, you had to work in a resurrection plot <laughs> to get the two of them to fight. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, his dad is going to be revived from the dead mm-hmm. to fight him. Yeah, if these stories are connected. <laughs> and having read another manga, um, there was another manga based on Makai Tensho that I read as part of uh, preparing for the movie podcast. Uh, yeah, there was a Makai Tensho manga written by Ken Ishikawa, who's uh, well known as uh, well known for working alongside another manga creator named Go Nagai. Uh, he did a manga on Makai Tensho and a manga on the third part of the Jubei trilogy, literally called Jubei Yagyu Dies. <laughs> but um, having read through that Makai Tensho manga, I can see how they might be able to cross over or like connect because there's actually in the manga and I guess by extension the novel a lot of build up into how Makai Tensho proper actually works stating that it was a combination of uh, ninja magic and western medicine (laughs) (laughs) it was sort of hilarious and creepy in how it works is that um, some like crazy ninja master has to like cut off one of his fingers to do it uh, it requires one of his fingers and some sacrificial maiden, and I think like the blood of whoever you're gonna revive. Literally, the finger has to go into the woman, and it like into the woman. How? Well, he cuts off the finger, and then it just jumps in there. Jumps where? Into the woman. Where? Where Does do he you shrink? Think? It crawls in through the vagina, Mike. The finger? Yes. Wait, it becomes alive? Kinda. It crawls in there and it kind of like sets up. I think it it's what creates the portal from hell through which they come back. Because then, while they're alive, they've got to do the lady and impregnate her. Just when I think Japan can't get any weirder. Yeah. And they basically, the woman basically gives birth, gives rebirth to them from hell. And yeah. They're very creative with that type of thing. They definitely are. But like, there's enough that goes in the sort of building up this thing that I can potentially see it happening in this world. Maybe not not quite this depiction. This depiction seems a lot more grounded by comparison, mm-hmm. but more so maybe when you look at Basilisk and you've got like people able to like, uh, I mean, like, I mean, just look at Bug Guy. <laughs> yeah. And and what's his name who can die and then come back to life mysteriously? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the sexual shit. Like, why are they so? I don't know. Why, and even going back to, like, I feel like it's an Asian thing, like, talking about, like, the Genghis Khan shit. Oh, God. Ugh. Like, I feel like when Westerners do it, they just take turns, but in Genghis, you know. It's like, yeah, just cut a hole open for yourself. They gotta, that's weird, man. That's fucked up. (sighs) That's some messed up shit. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else to say about the manga before we go into recommendations? Mm, the art was really pretty. Yeah, I like it. It was that was one of the things that struck me early on. Actually, was I feel like most manga is like it's kind of cheap. Like it, well, a lot of it 
you know, it feels kind of cheap, just black and white, and it's quickly drawn, you know. They're just trying to get their story across. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if it's, like, I remember the Cowboy Bebop manga, it just was not as, there was not as much there detail. Was, yeah, there was no polish on that. It was just kind of there. But it was it, made after the manga, also. You mean after the anime? After the anime, yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah. it was cash in. Yeah, so it was nice to see this where it's like they know it's going to be in black and white and they actually utilize black and white. Like there's some really beautiful stuff that they do with their grays, uh, especially on the demon masks. They look really cool. Yeah. And there's also like these opening splash pages that they have that look cool. They're all like black and gray tones that are really cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, some of them look like it looked like some of the backgrounds were like photoshopped pictures. <laughs> Did you notice that? Uh, not a little, just a little. Yeah, it was only a few times. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was interesting. It was weird. But, yeah, yeah he may pretty... he may have just straight rendered them. Actually, like took a picture and then yeah. Yeah. Uh, who who was the artist? Masaki Sagawa. He's actually done uh, this Spasilis and at least one or two more of his projects are adaptions of Futari Yamada's work. He seems to be a really big fan. I forgot what I was going to say about him, but these stories are kind of what's made him famous. Hmm. But he's got a couple original stories going alongside this too, though they're also set in uh, ancient Japan. Really? Hmm. But that's fine. Whatever you're interested in. I guess. Uh, anything you want to recommend? I mean, I've already said everything. I'm pretty much exhausted with my recommendations at this point. I'd just be regurgitating the same thing we said on the last three episodes. Okay. Well, in that case, I'll... I'll, I'll... Go the same route and say, yeah, listen to the other two episodes for recommendations. Oh, oh, wait. Actually, yeah, Fury Road. Okay. Fury Road, very similar plot line. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. All right, anything you want to say in conclusion to this? Um, let's see. So, um, there is one minor thing I want to talk about before we end this, which is uh, more proof that the um, big villain of this story is a fucking idiot. Is the giant dick statue he erects? No pun intended. Oh yeah, that was him. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about the cock statue. That's kind of <laughs> interesting. It was bizarre to say the least. Yeah, I kind of, that was interesting. I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a cock statue. Or that looks like a cock statue. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you put this big cock statue here. And I was like, I yeah. It is. And they made use of it when they were fighting uh, one of those uh, bad guys. Oh, is that what that was? Oh, and then they sent it to him, didn't they? Yep. I thought they were just rocks, but they sent him this <laughs> cock statue. That's really funny. I like that. Yep. It's very uh, symbolic. Now, what a message to send. Here's your cock. Indeed. Please pardon any background noise. Uh, the baby is in here with a computer watching baby stuff. Um, yeah, luckily there isn't a whole lot to say. Uh, next week will be the last month, the last month, the last episode of the Futari Amount of Month, and the following episode you can expect something very different, but uh, to say any more would be spoilers. So, you know, hush hush and all that. Uh, 
see. The song you're listening to right now is Synthetic Highway. If you like it, check out its creator, Submorphine, at soundcloud.com slash submorphine. That should be hyphen M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. That should be hyphen M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. That came out too fast. I was certain I screwed it up. Uh, yeah, the promo theme is Anime Raku. If you want to help us out, feel free to check out the uh, author, the creator, uh, Squarion, at facebook.com slash Squarion. I think Squarion's also on SoundCloud. They didn't necessarily ask me to plug the SoundCloud, but what the hell. Uh, Squarion's got a project that may be in hiatus now? I'm not sure. Hopefully they're still working on it. It's called Project Stick Part 2. Check it out at facebook.com slash project stick. Uh, website's still down at the moment, but hopefully by the time this recording goes up, it'll be back no matter space. But till then, you can check us out on uh, facebook.com slash heylistenradio. Uh, on Twitter, at heylistenradio. Uh, on the SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash heylistenradio. Uh, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Android, and Google Play. Joe's show, which is currently being hosted by Mike, is NAGP Resurrection. And his uh, Twitter is at NAGP Returns. Mike's show, which is currently not being hosted by anyone, is Hyper 90s Zeitgeist Breakdown. And on Twitter for that show is at Hyper 90s. Spell it, Mikey's. And if you happen to want to talk to me directly, my Twitter is at uh, at Otaku Connect. There's also an email for this uh, show. God, my brain's not working. I guess I need food. But you can email me. Um, the email is Otaku Connection at, at Gmail. I think Hey Listen Radio has a Gmail. Also, Hey Listen Radio at Gmail. Yeah. Okay. I better cut this off before I make even more of an ass of myself than I already have. So, thank you for listening and have a good night, people. A lot of people getting cut up, and then you see the the bodies hit the floor. Song. Terrible early two thousands. <laughs> Next up is Ninja Scroll.